We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What are we doing big picture wise to address the lack of offense in baseball? Is it just facing the Reds? Is that, is that going to do, do the trick or is there something we can do in fantasy to try to uh, optimize the current offensive environment in baseball? That and a whole lot more on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast with me and Fred Zinke. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Uh, we're going to talk a little uh, trading. We're going to talk overall baseball environment. We'll talk about what's going on in tonight's games. We'll do that and a whole lot more on this podcast. Fred, how are you? I'm good. My Blue Jays just took the lead. We'll see how by the time anyone hears this, if, if that all turned out. But I've been incredibly enjoying watching them so far this year. And uh, last night was another really nice game. And so far, they're off to a nice clean start tonight. Yeah, they are. They are. Who got the RBI? How they how they score the run? Uh, George Springer got an RBI. Now I was just getting ready to start, so I didn't see who was on third base. But George Springer hit an RBI single. They're up one nothing um, on Canadian Nick Pavetta, who's uh, towing the rubber for the Red Sox tonight. So so I don't want Pavetta to get rocked because like we Canadians in, in baseball don't want to root against our own. But but a nice tidy little three three nothing Jays win or something like that would be would be fine. I want like 10 nothing because I have a bunch of Blue Jays in my DFS lineup for Tout Wars, uh, dra- Tout Daily today. Uh, I, I have, uh, I, I, I went with Bichette, I think, went back to the well and got, cr- I got cheated by that mush ball because he hit a ball of 103, 104.1 miles an hour and was caught in the first inning on the warning track. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's just insane. It just drives me nuts. I'm, I'm going crazy watching this here. Uh, but we'll see. I actually don't you want your happy fun ball back, Jeff. I want my happy fun ball back. I want course field back. Screw the humidifier. Screw the dead and ball. I want 15 to 14 games. I don't care if we're having to go through all these pitchers. Let's just, let's get me, give me some offensive fireworks, please. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't, it sounds, it doesn't sound that bad. You're right. Right around now. I don't know. What do you think baseball's goal? Is it, is the goal here two hours and 10 minutes per game? Like, is it, they bring scoring down and then they bring in the pitch clock that they're raving about in the minors right now. And all of a sudden we're down to games that are anywhere from like two hours to two and a half hours. And, and they're all, they're all three to one, not all three to one, but you know what I mean? It's a Rob Manfred fever dream. I mean, it's, it's what he, it's someone who doesn't love baseball complaining about the length of games. I just, I, I don't care that games run long sometimes. That's fine. Especially when I'm at a game. I went to that when I went to the Dodgers Reds, it was 0-0 going the sixth. The game was over so fast. You know, beer sales were cut off. I only had time for one beer. I you don't <laughs> want to miss games. You know, you don't want to miss innings. And you know, it's hard enough getting into the stadium. Uh I don't need a fast game. When I'm going to the ballpark, I want to spend some time there. I want to just relax and unplug. I don't care if it runs a little long. Um, I, I just you, no one compa- complains how long a basketball game goes. No one complain. You know, when the, even though the, some people complain about the review process, but no one complains about the five timeouts per team. They don't complain about, or, or maybe four timeouts per team. Now I'm not quite sure. No one complains about uh, football games going three and a half, three three forty five or so. Somehow in baseball they do, and why? Because baseball likes to bring it up. They like to anti sell themselves all the time. It's very true. Football is. 
by far the most popular sport in America. NFL games take three hours. College games take three and a half hours. Um, no, nobody complains because they find the games very exciting. So uh, I, I do find college football games are really long. There are some times where I start watching a college football game and then I go do something like very significant in my life and still can right. come back and watch the fourth quarter of the same game. But um, especially but in it, the big 12. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. So yes. Yes. Oh, they're up. They're up 45 to 40. Now let's, let's buckle up for the last seven minutes. This game is awesome. NBA, yeah, it is. It's fun. NBA games are more like two and a half hours, but again, but when they end, it's not like, like if one of them goes longer than that, I don't mind. Um, hockey games are more about go 245 or something. If baseball wants to put in a pitch clock and they think they can speed up the pace of the game that way and knock 15 minutes off a game, I, I, I'm fine with that. Like if they think they can just keep the game moving along. But like, but you're right. The the concept that that a game would be better if there's just like less less action, less of it. Like if we're just racing through this, like yeah. that doesn't really make any sense to me. The, the goal should be, to have as much action as possible. If you want to try to reduce the downtime a little bit, okay, I, I can I can live with that. I, I don't mind the whole pitch clock thing. I, I be, I'm fine with seeing that in action. But but you're right. The concept that like if we just get through this thing really fast, that people will like it better. Uh, they won't necessarily like it better if nothing happens. Yes, as we do, you do the Doctor Doctor Scholl's Budweiser pitch clock. It said it, and let's review that uh, uh, and make sure that the pitch clock actually expired. Uh, you know, by the way, we're gonna have two two minutes and two and a half minutes, three minutes every commercial break too. I mean, want to cut down on some time? We'll you know have one fewer commercial, but we won't talk about that. Uh, we won't talk about a lot of these things here. So I I don't know. I just I I think that it's a salute. It's a solution in in, in seeking a problem. Uh, if you really want a timely sport, watch soccer. It's 90 minutes plus injury time every game, and it always starts on time. So, I, you know, I like soccer. I like watching soccer. I don't, you know, but if you want to have a timely game, want, be a soccer fan because you'll be done in two hours every time. Yes, and and the complaint and the complaint from people who don't watch soccer is that nothing happens, and that's what it feels like that baseball's like because the scores are often so low, and that's what baseball seems to be going towards. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it a bit tonight, but like there were so many great pitching performances last night, but were they really great pitching performances? Are they once everybody's having not everybody, but so many pitchers are having a quote great pitching performance? they're not great pitching performances anymore. Now they're just pitching performances. So, yeah. you know, it used to be, you're like, Hey, my starter threw six shutout innings. Like this is, this is going to be really special tonight. And then, and now you look around and you're like, Oh, so did miles Michaelis. Oh, Kyle Gibson had a really good start. Oh, Michael Lorenzen's doing really good. Like these guys are all just, let's be honest. Like these guys are all just average major league pitchers who are putting up great numbers right now, because just across the league, we're seeing a ton of, of great pitching numbers right now. Um, it, it takes, it takes the shine off it. It right? does. So, I mean, yeah. you see, but you see the Corbin Burns overlays, and you're like, "Yeah, how could you ever hit this? This guy's a wizard." And and it's true. It is really these pitchers have gotten universally better. But yeah, when you get when when you when your hard contact goes for outs, just tonight alone, there were two balls. I mentioned the Bichette one went 104.1 miles an hour. I think at a launch angle of like 36 degrees, caught on the warning track. Jesus Sanchez, same thing in uh, in DC against uh, Josiah Gray. Uh, he hit one 103, 103 miles an hour, same sort of launch angle caught on the warning track. And, you know, at least in the Toronto one, it went 390. I think uh, the, the Sanchez's went 376. There have been some home runs today. There's been some monster shots, yeah. but I guarantee you uh, these there there's something about the ball. And, you know, Sarah's had a pretty good article today in the article. Not pretty good. He had an excellent article <laughs> in, in the you. athletic. Yeah, pretty good article. Yeah. Um, Dr. Meredith Wills has done amazing work, uh, you know, documenting the changes in the ball. We talk about this all the time. Uh, the ball, the ball, the ball. It's true. It's a big aspect of it there. And yes, the humidor humidors matter. The weather matters. The ball is still by and large, the biggest factor in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I watched the Jays game start to finish last night. Jose Barrios, you know, I don't have the data oh. on it, but he gave up a ton of hard contact yes. last night. And it was, all, and then now the Jays also made some nice fielding plays, um, but it was all caught and it all stayed in the yard. And because of that, if they didn't send him out for the eighth inning, he would have had seven shutout innings. And boy, that did not feel like a seven shutout innings performance. He, he wasn't horrible or anything, but the Red Sox had a lot of batted balls last night that I think if we were using the 2019 ball, 
I think that pitching line looks, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been seven innings. And I think he would have, would have looked more like five innings, four runs or, or something, right. or maybe even worse. So the, and the baseball thing, again, not to dump all over baseball tonight, but like, if you, again, if you compare it to other sports, like, like the hockey puck never changes. The NFL ball never changes. The basketball, like we're never sitting there saying, oh, NFL teams are throwing less this year because they're using a ball that's slippery and the quarterbacks can't really grip it. It's just a different ball this year. You know, like we never we never say, oh, the hockey hockey teams, hockey's using a puck that flies faster this year, so scoring's up. Um, you do talk about stick curvature, though. You do talk about uh, the flake gate. Um, I, mean, I, can, I don't have a basketball analogy. But. Yeah, like I mean, like the but the actual ball, the object. <laughs> You're right. You're hockey right. pucks have been the same for a hundred years. You know, even how even how they're prepared for games and like like footballs have been uh, they haven't been the same for hundred years. But footballs have been the same since since you and I were kids. And uh, baseball, like it's just such a weird phenomenon. And I feel like this is, I, I don't know, I, like this wasn't a thing twenty years ago. I, maybe it's because everyone was on steroids, but this wasn't a thing 20 years ago where we were taught. Maybe the maybe the research wasn't available to critique it, but I didn't feel like this was the thing 20, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago where we were talking about the ball constantly changing. And now it feels like the ball is like a floating target every year when we do our fantasy analysis of like what kind of ball are yeah. we going to get this year? I, I 100% agree. It's uh, couple, it's, it's tools are different to measure. We know exit velocities now. You know, yeah. since 2015, we have so much more data at our disposal. Uh, and two, baseball owns the ball manufacturer. You know, baseball has control. It's not just some guys, you know, some some people sewing it a little tighter down in, in Haiti. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. baseball is, contr- is in control of this here. They own Rawlings uh, and they m- admitted changing the ball. What happened? 2019, we had more homers on a per game basis than any other year in the history of baseball. More home runs, period. 1.39 homers per game uh, per team. It was happy fun ball. We talked about it. There were some ridiculous homers. I get that. You know what, though? It wasn't the highest scoring year ever in baseball. Not even by, not even no, close. Not even close. Um, because hitting a baseball in today's game is hard. It's really hard. You have more guys throwing 97, 98. You have, you know, pitcher optimization, never three times through the order and all of that. More and more pitchers are being used and it, it's a different game. And now we just made it harder by taking away the, the reward for good contact. It's crazy. They're, the teams are shifting like crazy now too. And they're getting better and better about shifting. They have more data at their disposal and they're using it to the, you know, it, it, it makes it really, really difficult. So all this, okay. We've established what is happening. We <laughs> haven't established what are we going to do about it? Yeah, that's the tough, that's the tough part. And you know, I've seen people talk about. Well, maybe they'll, maybe they'll change the ball back by the summer, maybe to some in some other way, as though mm-hmm. Major League Baseball is just going to play puppeteer with with us this season and just you know, oh well, maybe we'll maybe we'll liven the ball a bit by the summer or whatever. Um, I think we should work on the assumption that this is our ball for the season, don't you? Um, they ju- they said they'd use any they they would use. Balls made after September 2020 is all they committed to. Mm-hmm. However, in that there were two balls being used last year, so uh, that that's one thing. It's really difficult to uh, pin that down a little bit. Um, that, that so, and if there was a second ball that was that was used last year and it was made after September 2020, well, okay, that that could still be like there'd be some liveliness to it there. They might still have that. It's still left. And that, that's the thing that's tricky. But I'm going to assume for the most part, this is what we see is what we get until they overreact again. I don't know. Right. So, so offense might go up a bit with the weather. Um, it'll go up a bit because teams are going to lose pitchers and they're going to be gone, you know, just like with injuries and, and they're going to have to replace them with for long term with pitchers who maybe don't deserve to be there. Or not even say don't deserve, but aren't good enough to get there on their own without injuries. Um so offense will come up a bit, but let's say that offense is going to be down a bit. How will this change how we run our fantasy teams? Like we can say the obvious of like, you're going to need less home runs. You're going to need less RBIs. You're going to have need a lower, all of a sudden a 248 batting average might put you higher in the standings than it previously would have. Um, but now what's actionable? Like what do you actually do differently with your team 
to make this work. And something I was thinking about that I floated to you when we were preparing for today is, um, would it be smart now to trade away some pitching to get hitters that are actually performing, or at least that you believe will perform more hitters that you believe will perform from this point forward. And then believe that you can piece together your pitching for a while because of the fact that these, all, all of these, I wouldn't say random pitchers, but all of these kind of average to below average pitchers are putting up respectable numbers. Does that make any sense? Or do you still need, or do you still need these really high end pitchers? Um, you still need the strikeouts. So that I, I think there is a distinction, you know, the Jordan Lyles who get lucky every once in a while and shut out the A's. Okay, great. Um, you know, you, maybe you can stream better. Maybe you can, but I still think strikeouts are going to be the thing you chase a little bit when you do that. But I think if you are doing some redrafts today, I think you'd see a lot more hitters drafted earlier. Uh, I think you'd see power hitters drafted earlier for sure. Yeah, that's quite possible. I mean, we talked about steel scarcity, but with homers down, I mean, it's not homer scarcity, but it does increase the value of every home run. And the homer category does tend to be a little more bunched than the steals category because I find in the steals category, there's always a team or two that just runs away with it. Mm-hmm. A couple, two or three teams that just don't even really compete. Um, you know, they don't even don't try to compete or their, you know, their base stealer just doesn't perform and doesn't gets hurt or whatever. And they just drop right out of it and they can't replace them. So the homer category does tend to be bunched, which makes every little increase in that area um, valuable. Actually, I can give a good example. So we talked trade on the weekend, um, yes, just we very, br- very briefly, um, because you were busy with soccer and then I was busy with going to sleep on Sunday yes. night. <laughs> and um, I offered Jake Cronenworth for your Giovanni Gallegos, both of whom were round nine picks in our labor league. Uh, Cronenworth is not off to a good start this year, although he has, is having a nice night tonight because he's playing the Reds. And, um, and Cronenworth, like he's off to a bit of a slow start, but at the same time, like he's constantly batting in the top four in the Padres lineup and his other, and his numbers are, his indicators are fine. He's just a low BABIP so far. Sure. He s- seems like he's fine. Um, Gallegos looks good. Um, he seems like he's the Cardinals closer. He rewarded you for your faith in him on Monday night by giving up four runs and blowing a save, um, which should have been unearned, but, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to move past that. Yeah. Maybe eventually that seems, it seems a train wreck right now too, by the way. Yeah. So, uh, Not so the Cardinals, I did my, my labor team that is, I see. So I did think, so when I sent you the trade offer, I, I feel I felt like like again like I said like these guys were both round nine picks. Gallegos is looks like the closer, so maybe he's more valuable than a round nine pick right now. Cronenworth's nice; he got the four positions, whatever. Anyways, one of the things I did think about as I was sending the trade was like, am I comfortable just getting rid of a hitter and not getting any hitter back because mm-hmm. it's so hard to get hitting right now? It's not hard to get guys who are playing. There are guys who are playing on our waiver wire. If you want to have Elvis Andrus in your lineup, there are guys who are playing on our waiver wire. But that's not, wasn't really, but I was like, if I draw, if I trade you Cronenworth, that might be where I'm headed is to having someone like Elvis Andrus hitting like whatever, 210 with not much. Well, and you've already had two significant hitter acquisitions via free agency too, and Stephen Kwan and Taylor Ward too. So you've already addressed hitting a little bit in the free agent market. So, it's interesting to see that. I mean, you have a little bit of depth. I, I mean, I have a slew of one, guys hitting one something on my roster, including my first round pick, Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker, uh, three hits last night. Three so hits last night. Did something. I think he stole a base. Stole maybe. Base, too. Yep. yep. So there's signs. I mean, there's signs of life. I turned it down. I actually countered David Robertson. You declined that. I see that, and I have no problem with that. Um, obviously, I have no problem with that. Um, but. I, I just my my thought being was I have Class A Gallegos and Robertson. Class A has been a little bumpy to start the year. Yep. Gallegos has been was nails until last night. Uh, I think he will be fine in the long run. I think he's a very good pitcher, and I feel like the Cardinals are are pretty locked into using him in that. The only real competition they have right now for him is Jordan Hicks, who they seem committed to starting. Yep, absolutely. I I think. I think Gallegos is locked in. I could see a plan for you where you just try to get some, like try to get some sort of, not maybe not a lead or maybe a lead, but at least get yeah. up into that upper tier, get some separation from people like me and saves 
before you move one of these guys. Now, obviously, the risk you run is that while you're trying to get that separation, one of them goes down. Yeah. And and then you don't have, you know, what you, you don't have a trade chip anymore. Right. Correct. That was like like our like our our famed Ian Kennedy, Joey Votto trade from last year, mm-hmm. exactly. which was a little later in the season than this. Maybe I think it was like maybe May, not too much mid-May. later. Mid May. Yeah, probably. I was going to I was going to guess mid May. Although we keep in mind, we did start later here. So it really right. was later You know, when, when right. you think about it. So, yeah. Right. But anyways, that was my thought with Cronenworth was just a little concern of, especially because I think he's four position eligible. And I was like, man, I might just need this guy just to have hitters on my team who are hitting in the top half of their lineup and actually doing something. Not that he's done much yet, but right. like just to have hitters who are doing something because every RBI, every run scored might need, mean a little bit more to me this year than it would have otherwise. At the same time, I need a closer, but, and, and maybe the, I might end, revisit this trade by the end of the week, by the way. We'll see. In, in um, the end, maybe this is what we're really talking about is, is downgrading starters because the closers are still just as scarce. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the other complicating factor is bullpen usage is what it is. We have yeah. certain teams that we know, you know, they've locked in on a guy. If you, ha- if you, if you decided Jordan Romano was a full-time closer, you've been justly rewarded. If you decided that Scott Barlow was a full-time closer, you've been duly punished. Yeah. Yes. So I, I don't think we have more safe, safe situations around the league than we did really much going into the season. Like you said, like like Kansas City's less clear than we thought it was because um, I'm not totally in on Josh Stalmont yet. I, like, I think that's still. An, oh, I agree. Un, unsettled situation. You know, um, you know, maybe the Orioles have found a closer right now. But and we'll see how that all turns out. I guess the Cubs have, but then some other teams like the Reds haven't, and the Mariners haven't, and the Giants get a lot of saves. So, it cut, but they still are spreading them around, and like it's it's not really it's not like we've got seven or eight teams that were all unsettled on, on draft day and are now have given us closers. Like like maybe Emilio Pagan's the closer in Minnesota. Like he's got a couple saves now, but I I'm not I'm not there yet saying for sure right. he is. So right. Um, so closers are still, I think the closers who we really believe in are still really valuable. So maybe it's just starting pitching. Maybe that's the solution is that starting pitching needs to be downgraded both on the trade market. And then the other thing that I think is really actionable with this is because um, a lot of people listening are, are big NFBC participants where they don't have the trading is, you know, when you're making your bids, are, should your starting pitcher bids be lighter? And should you go more heavily after anyone who you think could be an impactful hitter? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. And I think that you are ahead of the curve with Ward and Quan, uh, especially getting those guys early April. Uh, you know, when, when a manager, I think one of the takeaways is when a manager says this guy's going to hit, is going to play every day and play in the, and hit in the top part of the order, you take him at face value a little bit there, huh? I, yeah, I think, I think so. And that was one of my things. And now Quan hasn't been amazing since I got him, but, but he's been fine and he continues to bat second when he plays. And I know he's day to day right now, with the hamstring injury. Um, mm-hmm. Joe Madden seems to love Ward and Ward homered twice last night. And Madden's talking about batting him lead off, like on a fairly permanent basis right now. Um, last weekend, the guy I was on um, in some leagues was Josh Naylor. So I picked him up in some leagues, same kind of thing. He's off to a good start. Uh, the Indian, or sorry, the Guardians are batting him like in decent spots, like fifth or sixth in the lineup, right? And it was more like, like okay, here's someone who, it, like he he's hitting over his head right now, but he's hitting 345. He's only got three strikeouts and 30 plate appearances. With everything going on around baseball right now, that looks really good. They have room for him in the outfield. Let's go. And I decided in some leagues to put in a decent bid on him, like. in NFBC leagues and really try to get them. Um, I felt like these were the moves I would look, I would try to do in 2019. These were the moves I was trying to make for any starting pitcher who I thought could stick in my lineup. Now I feel a little more like I can play some games with the starters, especially in 12 team leagues because so many of them are doing well. Sure. It makes sense. If you can stream, if it's easier to stream, you de-emphasize it. If it's harder to stream, then you really got to dig to find the right ones. So you don't have to stream. I think that's the that's the discussion. Uh, now it's the other way around for hitters. If you, it's it's hard to find batters that are going to stick in the lineup that are that are going to produce, so you you treat those like the gold that they are. That's right, and, and even the good offenses so far this year haven't been as good. Like we don't have teams 
it's early in the season. We don't have teams with like an 850 OPS or we don't right. really have teams that are that scary. So there's, so even with streaming and not streaming, like like any decent starter, I'm comfortable using them in a, probably a wider variety of situations than I would have been a couple of years ago. I'd be more afraid of the blow up start. So so again, that's that's another reason to to not invest heavily on pitching in the free agent uh, pool. Now that being said, like I do think there's got to be some nuance to that because we will run out of starters at some point who are useful, right? Like with injuries and like the best ones will be called up right. given their rotation chances. Um, we see Christian Javier, who is really popular, is getting a rotation chance now. He's someone I really like. Didn't really have an option to get him in any leagues, but um, uh, like those guys are going to run out. And then, but then maybe you can pivot to the long relievers. And but the then setup. there's all the there's ones from the minors that emerge though too. Yeah, so I, I don't know. know. And if this is the environment with the ball, then those guys from the minors may be able to come up and, and be successful. Right. And the other thing, uh, one other thing that was going to happen is uh, beginning of May, we go from 28 to 26 guys on the roster. Mm-hmm. We're going from 16 pitchers allowed down to 14, and then May 30th it goes down to 13th. It was 13. It was originally going to be 13 on May 2nd. I think they reach an agreement to extend it to 14. Now they may, you know, they may change it again, but with the shorter pitching staffs, that means they, you know, managers can't be as liberal and and making moves in games. They may be stuck with a certain reliever for a little longer. They Mm -hmm. may, you know, have a pitcher go that extra inning and that's where the tack on runs happen all the time. You know, it's that extra time through the order. It's a little extra fatigue with the pitcher. So maybe that'll help a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, it might help a little bit. Right now, I definitely feel like if I if I see a hitter who I think is going to play regularly, hitting a good lineup spot, and I like what I see from their skill set, I think I'm going to go aggressively after that that person. And I mean, we're in a situation right now on the pitching side where, or on the on the hitting side, sorry, where nine teams have an OPS under 620. Nine teams so far have an, yeah. an OPS, as I'm saying this right now, under 620. At that point, it's got to be easy fairly easy to find starters that you can stream or starters you can use or long relievers who have these teams on their schedule and can, can throw two or three scoreless innings. Like this is, I, I, I think that's the direction I'm going in right now. I, I think even more so probably in free agency than in the trade market, the trade market, there's still a lot of like, like your options are limited and, and it's really about just evaluating each trade. Cause you don't always have access to all the players, but in the free agent pool, like you, like you said, like I'm not that it's done me a huge good yet, but I'm glad I got Taylor Ward. I'm glad I got Steven Kwan. Even if they don't both don't turn out, I think they were worthwhile risks in this hitting environment. I'd agree. I think there's another corollary here too. And that's DFS that it, it mm-hmm. behooves us uh, on average to, Find find the lower the less expensive good starting pitching options, pay up for the hitter good hitters in good spots, and try to allocate more of your budget towards the hitting. Um, I'm sure that's not exactly uh, novel. Uh, I'm sure the top DFS players have thought about that, and mm-hmm. you know they, they. I don't even know if I'd say that this is the right conclusion. It's I think it's a hypothesis at this point in time. Uh, they've tested that out for sure, and we'll see. Uh, and you know may, may, those results may change. Nothing more frustrating though, and then spending spending up on that top hitter and then seeing an offer. I mean, that, that it's really frustrating. Whereas you you pay up for Corbin Burns, you're getting your strikeouts at least. For sure, and I think definitely, say go back to 2019. Like the definitely, I felt like the DFS plan was get the pitcher you want, get the pitcher mm-hmm. who will succeed, and then fill in your hitting lineup around yeah. that a pitcher, regardless of what his his price is that day. But you're right now that now that the environment's a little bit different, like Corbin Burns is maybe a bit of an outlier, but you know, now that the environment's a little bit different, maybe, and I don't know what the score of the Jays game is anymore. Cause we started recording two to one. It's two What's to that? one now. It's what to one, two to one, two okay. to one Jays. So there you uh, go. Maybe in the you, fifth inning. Maybe you could have got away with Nick Pavetta in a DFS or something tonight. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what his line is, but he's, you know what I mean? Like, like again, last night you, you would have got a win and respectable numbers from Kyle Gibson. You would have got so good numbers from, but not a win in the end because of the blown save from Miles Michaelis. Like maybe there is more of a path in DFS right now to take some of these cheaper pitchers who have, who are again facing these nine teams that have an OPS under 620, get one yeah. of those pitchers facing them and then spend more on your hitters. Yep. Get a better stack. Yeah. Uh, and you would think that eventually the prices will catch up to that. Um, and that's the thing that makes the game so hard. But uh, 
I think it's an interesting path. Uh, before we move on to the news of the day, let's let's share our uh, advertising notes for today. We'll do it all in one fell swoop this time. Uh, first, from our friends at Better Edge, bet against others with no fees involved. That's right, no pesky hidden fees to ruin your day. Better Edge is a social betting marketplace where there's no fee on each transaction. Better Edge is a social betting marketplace, and chances are it's legal in your state, maybe province. I don't know. We bring betting back to its social roots where you can like, comment, and challenge on other users all within the app. Play without getting played at Better Edge. That Go to betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R-E-D-G-E.com to sign up today. Also, our friends at Vivid Seats are back with us again. Uh, Fred and I both use Vivid Seats. Uh, it's worked out pretty well for us to get uh, Dodger, Dodgers and Blue Jays tickets, respectively. Baseball is back. That's right. An entire glorious season. All 162 games. And with live events resuming, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. Every backdoor slider, every round tripper, and every doubleheader can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats rewards, you can start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Just buy, collect stamps, and redeem. It's that easy. From behind the dugout to upper level, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the games that matter to you. Pro tip, buy tickets for your whole group. Split the bill and make progress towards your free ticket even faster. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. And then finally, we are, well, as always, on the Blue Wire Network. So here's a quick spot from our Blue Wire advertisers. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right. Thank you for tolerating our quick spot, and thanks for tolerating our reads. Uh, Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Let's talk about some of the things that happened yesterday and that are happening today for that matter too. Jacob deGrom, late night update last night, about 11.45 Eastern time, came out that Jacob deGrom's healing, but he's not going to throw for three weeks. You know, it, it's kind of a, hey, let's, let's, it, it could be, it could be pitched as a positive or a negative, depending on your perspective uh, on this sort of update. Uh, no baseball activities is the downside. If you have Jacob deGrom, Okay, you're glad that there hasn't been any setbacks, but you're kind of like, let's give me my guy. Where is he? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I Yeah, I think it's a no good news, no bad news. When he went on, we never really had a great timeline for him. We started to speculate, I think, right from the beginning that it would be around midseason. It still sounds yeah. like that. Like best case scenario, 
he starts throwing in three weeks. That's like mid May. Maybe he could be pitching for the Mets in mid June. That would be the best case. That's probably not going to happen. So let's say somewhere around mid season still sounds, still sounds about right. You're still holding them. Um, yeah, if you if you could get any starts in June, I if I, I have Degrom and Ted Wars, if I get any June starts, I would be really happy. Actually, I think if you have Degrom right now, it's less about when he comes back and more about if once he comes back, he can help, he can stay in for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's right. I, um, I don't really care if he if I get a June start from him. I'll take July 10th as his first start. If he's if, full Degrom, yeah. Yes, if from that point on I get 12, 13 starts and he's great, I'll take it. Do you have him anywhere? So I have been Tet Wars in like one like draft champions. And that was uh draft and hold, right? So yeah. what Second round did round. you get him in? Second round. Second round, Ooh. probably about pick twenty-five or so. Okay. I was super excited that he fell to pick twenty-five because that's when DeGrom was starting to kind of trend up a little bit in drafts. And right. anyways, didn't turn out didn't turn out at all. But maybe again, we, we saw last year what DeGrom can do in half a season. So yep. if he comes back and is awesome in the second half of the year and gets me, you know, six wins and a, and a one something ERA, it could have a huge impact. I have them in two draft and hold leagues. I think the first two leagues I did at NFPC fifties, uh, 12 teamers draft and hold 50 rounds. Yeah, I got it. I think I got him in the third round in both of those. Hey, he's my second starter. Uh, and yeah, yeah got us, you know, again, I got a steal. no, no, yeah. I didn't. You know what? Uh, I don't even, I have him in one of those. I don't even miss him in a 12 team draft champions or draft and hold. Like, like, like I, like I, I know I miss, I know I am missing him, but when I go to fill out my pitching roster every week, this early in the season, I have tons of pitchers to choose from. If true. I had him in the second half of the season in that league, I'll be happy. It's the 15 team in tout where I notice that he's gone for sure. Cause I have like maybe one other injury now to someone who I wanted. And now I'm starting to reach down a little more into like the round 30 somethings in a 15 teamer to get into my pitching lineup and some sketchier guys. So I notice in that league, I don't notice as much that I'm missing him in the twelves, at least this early in the year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I noticed I'm missing him cause I'm not off to great starts in those leagues, but yes, right. uh, I hear you on that. Yeah. Um, other big new uh, notes, uh, we saw Eddie Rosario with a very interesting uh, retina damage in his eye. Has, had to have a procedure done. It's not just like he's got he's got blurry vision, but he's actually got damp other damage mm-hmm. too. And it's about two to three months. It explains why he's off to such a terrible start. Frankly, I'm amazed that he's only struck out ten times. If he had yeah. that sort of problem with his vision, I could see it like twenty percent of the time. I mean, you could see that very easily. Mm-hmm. But or I should say more than uh, I, that's more. I should say twenty times, not twenty percent of the time. But it's it's. I think 10 and 49 plate appearances. So just demonstrating my, you know, command of math there, guys, I know it's 20%, but work with me here. He was, um, drawing, he was drawing walks too. Like good for him. Like I think if, vision. I mean, maybe he just wasn't swinging as much. I guess I could, mm-hmm. I could dig yeah. into those details, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, pretty wild uh, to see that. I think you cut him in the, and uh, in, in, ta- in um, friends and family, right? Yes. Yeah, my IL, we have two IL spots. It's already full with DeGrom. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have DeGrom in that one too. But I knew, but that in that league, I knew we knew about DeGrom when I draft, draft him like round 15 or something. But, anyways, yeah, I, I think Rosario is an easy cut. I saw some people who were frustrated that they didn't know about this issue until now. You know what? Uh, I, I feel bad for Rosario. I don't feel bad yeah. for fantasy managers. This is a guy trying to. This is a guy who's like trying to keep his career going. I know he had a good playoff last year, but he didn't have a great season. It's a guy trying to keep his career going, and now he's dealing with a serious eye problem. He's going to be back, whatever, or some maybe in July or something like that. And then he's going to need to prove the rest of the way that you know that with this fix that he's still a quality major leaguer. I think so. I that's my con- that's more my concern than any of his fantasy managers. In the end, he was like a round 15 pick or 14 pick or something that you can afford to get rid of. I think he's I think he's an easy drop. I don't think you wait for him in any any NFBC style league. I'd agree. I'd agree. Um, unfortunate, but yeah, I'd agree. Uh, you know who's not having a problem with the mush ball? Anthony Rizzo. Two homers already today. He now leads Major League Baseball with seven home runs. I have a lot of Rizzo, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. I didn't know yeah. about the two homers today. He was kind of – there was um, – like we talked about this with Joey Votto last week. 
I have no Votto. I have a lot of Rizzo because there was kind of a pack of first basemen that went kind of yeah. in between in the one mid one fifty range or so of picks. And Rizzo was kind of at the top of my rankings from that pack. And Votto was at the bottom. And there's some other guys like CJ Crone. He was maybe a little earlier in drafts, but he wasn't in my rankings. Josh Bell was in there. Um, Jared Walsh was in there. Anyways, Rizzo, Rizzo was kind of my preferred guy out of that group. I liked how you could get maybe five or six steals out of him as well. I liked him just hitting for the Yankees. So, But he's off to a good start. I don't know if this will totally last, but he's off to a good start. I think you got, you got him for a discount too because he signed so late. Yeah. Yeah, there was also a little bit of concern with the timeshare with um, him at first, LeMayhew, um, Glaber Torres, and once they had traded for Josh Donaldson. So yep. it was a bit of a concern that they had four guys for three spots, and you were going to see some LeMayhew at first base, and then so they could get Torres in the lineup and, and all these things. In the end, they've managed to. They've played Stanton in the outfield a bit, and kind of just the, the the guys who are playing well are playing. So, like, I was re- I had some LeMayhew from early in draft season, and then I kind of backed off of him a bit after the Donaldson trade says rid of his playing time. In the end, he's playing a lot because he's hitting. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, and – you know, you know the Yankees haven't really caught fire, but they're still, despite that, they I think they're what ten and six going into today, and they're winning today, so not a bad start for them. Uh, despite all the things that you know, arguably have gone wrong. Garrett Cole threw a shutout in his last outing, so or six and two thirds shutout innings at least. Uh, you, know, you say he threw a shutout, that means nine innings. Uh, only one person's done that this year. That's Walker Buehler, who first guy to go complete game this year. Walker Buehler went nine last night against the Diamondbacks. Looked pretty good doing it. Yeah, absolutely. And that Diamondbacks lineup is like right there with the Reds for the, the most appealing ones to stream again. Not that you stream. And the A's. Play. A's yeah. too. Uh, yeah. A couple others, but yeah. Um, um, yeah. Oh, back to the Yankees. One thing I did want to mention is, and I think uh, this to me was predictable because I'm I was off this guy, but Glaber Torres seems to be the odd man out of all those of that group because he's off, he's off to the worst start. And this is just another season where um, there's yeah. just not much – we're talking about a guy now who's hit tw- 13 homers since the start of the 2020 season. He's hit 13 homers without a ton of injuries. Like those 13 homers are in just quick math. You're about 185 games. Yep. A lot and of I, those say, were cores fueled in 2019. Happy fun ball year. Yeah. Uh, Remember he, he crushed the Orioles that year. The Orioles had terrible pitching yeah. staff and he must've yeah. hit 10 homers against them or something like that. And anyway, he still seemed like, like this was a great prospect who was on the way up, even if he didn't hit as many homers the next season against the Orioles. And then it's just completely bottomed out since then. And he seems to be the, they're still getting him in the lineup somewhat, but he seems to be the odd man out out of that group when everybody's healthy. Did the Orioles make a mistake in trying to improve their dimensions for their pitchers uh, and hurt their young hitters instead? Uh, and then lose John. Of course they lost John means for the season too. Just mm-hmm. brutal as far as that goes, but they're trying, it was, they're trying to help like the likes of John means and Grayson Rodriguez and DL hall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and instead now they're hurting their young hitters. Uh, maybe, I guess making your park play neutral. I don't know. I, I guess that can't be like a, I guess I can't say that's a terrible idea to have your, park it's only play. power neutral though. Right. It wasn't like, it was like this right. course field panacea where it's helping your batting average too. I don't think it was doing that. No, I guess not. But I don't know. I, I I could see a scenario where I mean, on the on the farthest end of the spectrum, where it's been so hard for the Rockies over the years to, you know, to develop pitchers and p- pitching in Coors is so difficult. Maybe yeah. with the Orioles, if they have young pitchers coming up, they just want to give them a little more help, like a little more of a neutral park. I don't know if this will really kill their hitter it's certainly their offense has certainly been really bad to start the year although i think we we expected their offense to be pretty bad yeah i think they're i think they're in the bottom they're they are they're in the bottom they're one of the three teams with a sub 600 ops they're they're streamable against for sure absolutely yeah Uh, cedric mullen's not off to a good start no no not at all it's the one oriole right that that people really went after yeah, because like, oh, he's left-handed most of the time. It won't hurt him as much. Yeah, uh, and it, you know they've been on the road a lot too, so you can't even argue that nece- it's necessarily like they 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 spent the last week in Oakland and uh, Anaheim respectively, and then they're in New York right now. So it's mm-hmm. not like they've had these long home stands in the summer where that's where the, the it starts to add on. You know those the, the you know Camden Yards and the heat. That's a whole different animal than Camden Yards in April. We're still in April for crying out loud. 
Yeah, absolutely. And when I look at Mullins, for example, it's just his Babbitt's way down. Everything else is the same. It's, uh, he's striking out a bit more than last year. Not it's not not an alarming amount more. Walking the same. His Babbitt's down, which we could say for so many players. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little uh, Ron Ed Acuna. I'm calling him Ron Ed because I'm taking his L. Uh, I'm the <laughs> one that was saying that, no, he's going too soon. I wouldn't take him until the third round. He's not going to run. They're not playing him in the outfield. Or he played the outfield in his very first rehab game. He already has three stolen bases in the minors, and he's going to come back sooner than expected. Uh, if you if you were drafting the day, he's definitely in the first round. The question is, how early in the first round does he go? Cool. If you're drafting today in the first five picks somewhere i would put him in the first five picks maybe even a little higher because now i only have to sit on him for about 10 days um before i can start using him um i don't think he's any more likely than than the average player to go on the il the rest of the way like i guess he could have issues with his knee and need breaks at some point and an il stint but i don't know if he's really he's a really young athletic player i don't know if he's more likely than Guerrero or anyone else to go on the IL. I would say he goes in the top. I would take him in the top five now, like starting a, a league starting from today. Um, maybe in the top, even in the top three. Do you think that's crazy? No, it's not crazy. Would you take him crazy. over Bo Bichette right now? Probably. I think I'd go. I still think I'd take Ramirez ahead of him. Uh, I still love the Jose Ramirez build. I still right. like, I mean, I think that lineup's coming back to earth. Uh, but at the same token, I just, I think Ramirez is a hell of a player. He's got contract security now. Although then again, maybe him getting dealt would have been good for me. Good for him, depending on where he landed. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm still taking Trey Turner ahead of him. It, it's close though. It's, it's really close. I, I think you could. Well, by May 6th, I think you can make a case to take him first. Like, like Acuna is someone who, like, just comparing him to those players, he's going to hit, he, if he's healthy, he's going to hit way more home runs than Turner or Bichette or Juan Soto. He's going to hit as many home runs as Guerrero. Like, he had 24 last year in 82 games. The year before, he had 14 and 46 games in the strike and short, yeah. strike shortened season. He had a 41 homer season before that. Like, this is a legitimate 40 something homer player over a full season and he can steal bases. Like had he not got hurt last year, he was on pace to be in the thirties for steals. So he would steal as many bases as Trey Turner and hit as many home runs as Vladimir Guerrero when he's healthy. Um, draws a ton of walk. He's like, a, he is a run scoring machine. Yes. <laughs> like he as is. much as anyone in baseball, 46 and 46 games in 2020, 72 and 82 games last year. Like, like if, if, again, if he didn't get hurt last year, he's probably gonna score 130 runs. He had 127 in 2019 um he's a run scoring machine like i said with the, like i think you could make a case if you don't think that if you think he's gonna be 100 percent, i think you could make a case for him first overall yeah you probably with could. that in mind in a trading league would you trade would you offer out right now like your juan soto for him or something like that juan soto off to a poor start i think He's had 33 runners on base go before today. I think he had 33 runners on base and he's driven in one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're pitching around him big time. Uh, I think that's, it's hard to drive him in when you're not getting anything in the hitting zone at all, but uh, probably I'd, I'd probably take, I'd probably, I would, if I'm the Soto owner and I'm offered Acuna, I definitely don't snap decline it. That, that's for sure. Uh and I can't wait to the summer when we've got Acuna and Tatis back and they're both doing their amazing things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, such a better game when we have young stars healthy. Uh, boy, I'd have to think about it. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And our labor draft, actually, Mike Podhorser. Oh, remember, he took that team of all high variance players. Yeah. Um, I have. He's winning right I, now. He is. He's off to a great start and he has Acuna. So he's winning. He's going to get Acuna. Eventually, he's going to get DeGrom back. Um, he's had some nice performances from some high-variance guys like Buxton, Mondesi, Verlander so far, Kershaw. He has Rizzo, which is not a high Mondesi hasn't guy. had nice performances. He's been No, terrible. he hasn't, but he has some steals. Yeah, he does have the – he's doing the yeah. one thing he needs him to do. Yeah. You're right. He has exactly. – Anthony Rizzo, by the way, he happens to have. We were yes. uh, yeah, talking about yes. him earlier there. Yes. So uh, he took Acuna. I don't think 
He took Kershaw. That worked out pretty well. That was a pretty good, healthy risk. Carlos Carrasco has worked out really well as far as risk go. Jesus Lazardo has worked out pretty well. Well, he had one good outing, one amazing outing, one not so great outing. Yeah. Uh, Severino's pitching great right now today. Verlander's pitching great. Yep. Yeah. It's high variance team that people, a lot of people laughed at. That team is not just laughed at. No, let's, let's take this far. They scorned it. And they said, this is why you don't pay attention to fan yep. expert leagues. It went a lot farther than laughed at. You're right. You're right. Actually, it was people saying you can't take these leagues seriously. Why would anyone look at what these guys are doing? Look at this. This is a joke. This is someone who's not taking it seriously, blah, blah, blah. Well, take it seriously now. He's off to a really good start. And I, I don't know. The whole point of the high variance team is that it might catch mm-hmm. up with them at some point because right. there's some guys like Boxton and Modesty that just tend to get hurt a ton. He's already down to Grom. We'll see how that ends up going. Right. Yeah, but anyways, he's off to a good start. Let's see where it goes from here. And he and he does. Or, and he hasn't had DeGrom or Acuna. Like he's he's I think winning our league, and he hasn't had his first two picks yet at all. I was just gonna say, and he's gonna get Acuna and DeGrom back at some point too. Yes. Yep. Syndergaard, who yeah, who he got is off to a good start. That's really fascinating, and it does show that like the snark on Twitter from certain people the I know so much and this other guy doesn't know anything kind of thing. And, and I'll admit, like I would have had no interest in drafting a team, anything like Mike drafted. And I saw his team and was like, Oh, I don't think that team's gonna, I didn't think that team was going to do very well, but the extra level of snark from some people on Twitter to, to definitively like drop the gavel on that team in February and say, this is a joke. This team could never do anything successful. More, not just that. I, I'd take it even the a whole step league. farther and say they'd say drop the gavel on him being a, a fantasy so-called fantasy expert right. and all that. He's second right. place in AL Tout Wars by one point behind first place right now too. So uh, yeah, and, and by the way, I'm going to ask Mike to be on Thursday's pod. Uh, that's okay. that's just that's decided. I haven't I haven't had him on the pod yet anyhow. So I think he'd be a fascinating guest. He does his own projections. Smart guy. Uh, always been a smart guy. So yep. we're gonna get we're gonna work to get Mike on. Uh, this is a Praise Mike Podhorzer podcast right now. So there you go. Uh, yeah, he's having a phenomenal year. And it, it's that's the thing is, there's so many different ways to crack that nut. And he found that this was an inefficiency in the draft. We are all t- too, too risk averse, especially in this particular format where there is an IL. I think maybe other formats like the NFBC, maybe it's harder to pull that off. But in this format, drafting in February, where there's so many unknowns, I think he, you know, I, I'll let him speak for himself, but I think he did a pretty, <laughs> he's off to a pretty damn good start. And it, it makes, there's a lot of things that make sense there. Uh, a couple more players. Let's talk about, uh, let, uh, let's ru- kind of rapid fire through some of these guys. Chris Bryant, not off to a good season. And now he's out today with a sore back. Do you have any Chris Bryant anywhere? I have no Chris Bryant. Um, so I have been a little detached from um, no power so far. Yeah, which is concerning. Um, I'm not that I'm not that worried about him. I'm a little worried about the back. Uh, I guess the fact that he's played so many Coors games already and has no home runs, I guess, is a little concerning. But um, yeah, okay. So sorry, I'm going to backtrack a bit and say I am a little bit concerned about him because we are talking yeah. about someone who's had a decent amount of injury problems in his career, um, and someone whose power has kind of come and gone in recent years and it came yeah. back a bit last year, like 25 homers, but yeah. we've seen some, we saw a four homer in the short shortened season. We saw a 13 homer in 2018 when he had some injuries. Yeah. I'm a little concerned. Yeah, I, I definitely am. Uh, do you have Chris Bryant? I do have him a couple places. Okay. All we, all early leagues. Um, I, I think the only, I think maybe, although Yahoo friends and family might be the, it was not early and I did grab him there. Yeah. Uh, and I, th- I thought I was pretty happy about it at the time. Now, maybe not so much. But uh, you know what? I, that, maybe it's because that team is kind of stinky right now, too. Uh, 63 points. It's not doing so hot. But yeah, it's frustrating. You know, I, I, you know he can sit on the bench. He can be injured on three different positions for me. So I've got that going for me. <laughs> that was one of the concerns with him that I think maybe got swept under the rug once he signed with the Rockies. I think there was so much Rockies and Coors Field enthusiasm for him once he signed that we forgot about the fact that this is someone who has missed a fair amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like, like he hasn't, I get like, 
I like this fun with numbers, but he hasn't played in 150 games in a season since 2017. He has 147 and 144 in there, but he also has an 102 and a 34 in the shortened season, which kind of prorates out to like, he would have missed a fair amount of time that season. So yeah, yeah this is someone yeah, who's been really inconsistent after getting off to a great start in his career. And I think we got so excited about Coors Field that we forgot about that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. A couple more guys I want to talk about. Uh, Luis Robert, White Sox. Just They have Mm -hmm. all sorts of problems. Eloy Jimenez is going to be out six to eight weeks, probably closer to eight. Had had a procedure done on that hamstring. You know, Rick Hahn was pushing back against the injury-prone label, but he's had the multiple things the last couple years. But also in the minors, 2017 and 18, he had injury issues as well. I think it's fair to ask if he's an injury-prone player and – should we be severely discounting him in the future? Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's worth asking the question. Now I think it's probably too early to come to any sort of conclusion on that. Um, but it doesn't sound like this is going to be a long-term problem. Uh, I think I will start being worried about him along the lines of how I worry about guys like Chris Bryant and Bryce Harper, who are a little older than him and have more of a track record of these problems. But you know, if Robert ends up this season with 115 games played or something and has nagging injuries, then yeah, I'm going to start being concerned about him next year in drafts. This year, I, I wasn't. I gave him full projections. I actually have no shares of him because I just didn't draft on the turn much, um, kind of where he was going. But he's off to a well, his batting average is low, but so is everyone's. But I mean, a couple homers, five steals overall in fantasy, he was off to a good start. He was. He was off yeah. to a good start. I'm seeing news that uh, Adalberto Mondesi left the game. Looked like he uh, pulled up awkwardly after breaking from first on a pitch. (laughs) Right after Uh, we talked about Mike's team and Mondesi and stealing bases for him and everything. I mean, we'll see. Maybe this will amount to nothing, but with Mondesi's track record, it'll be concerning. Yeah, it should be. It should be indeed. Garrett Whitlock getting another start against your Jays on Thursday. This is the Tanner Hawks start, basically. Uh, Hawk couldn't make the trip to Toronto. Uh, because he's not vaccinated. So he got pushed back and Whitlock is in the rotation. Whitlock threw four scoreless, brilliant innings against the Rays on Saturday as a starter. I'd like Whitlock a lot. The thing I don't like is the role insecurity. Um, but sometimes you just take good pitchers and worry about the role later, I guess. Yes, 100%. I mean, if a pitcher's good enough, you just put him in your lineup and you don't even think about it. And I think that's where we're at with him. Yeah. So I'll put him in my lineup. If starts, Great. I'll hope he throws five innings. If he doesn't, I'll just take the good ratios and probably five, six strikeouts. If, if, if he doesn't start and he piggybacks off someone, that's probably even better as far yeah. as win potential. Um, he has the one save this year. So I think he's such a good pitcher right now that you just put him in your lineup and you don't even think about it. And I have one share of him. I have him in friends and family. I wish I had a lot more. I was interested in him in draft season. I just didn't quite grab him. I would grab other pitchers in that area. I wish I had been more aggressive on him because he looks like really good to start the season. I was, I was disappointed. I wanted to find out how fast we could get Tanner Hawk vaccinated. Once I found out that Whitlock was going to take his spot on Thursday. Right. Let's get right. Hawk up here to Toronto. Maybe we can make an exception for him. Once we found out that Whitlock was the alternative. Although I like Tanner Hawk too. I think he's, pretty he, he's good, good but... but Whitlock's been like 18, 18 to two strikeout to walk in 13 yep. and two thirds innings. Yeah. Really I had a pretty, I think, optimistic projection for him, but it was caught between roles. I didn't believe right yes. away that that whole, oh, we're going to stretch him out. Like, nah, you're going to put him back in the bullpen. And then he's going to close, and I want him to be a closer. And Because look at Matt Barnes. He didn't even make the postseason roster. Now Matt Barnes, you know, he looked like he was okay. Then on, on mm-hmm. Sunday, I think it was, he was down in velocity. He got hit pretty hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I should, the whole lesson there is just take good pitchers and worry about the yep. roles later. I mean, I understand – you got to have some guys that have good roles, but you miss out on guys like Whitlock when you, and you get caught up in that sometimes. I, I agree. I think I should have been a little, I kind of projected him as like a, like a 90 inning, like long man, maybe make mm-hmm. some spot starts. I probably should have budgeted in. Like I should, I probably should have moved it up to like, like, like balanced out the possibility of him throwing like 130 innings. And yeah. so, so when I did his projections, instead of going 90, 95, I probably should have gone hundred to 115 and, and balance out the possibility through a lot more. And then there's also even the possibility of him getting more saves, which 
yeah, it was a it was a messy projection to make, but I think I should have been a little opt- more optimistic with him, which would have pushed him way up really fast if I just gave him more innings in my my projections because they were good innings. Same, same. Yeah, and that kind of ties us back to Gallego. Same thing. Really good pitcher. Was uncertain yeah. about the role. Passed on him in some formats where I had been shut out on closer before because I wasn't certain he was going to be the closer, but and I didn't want to take a guy like that that early if he wa- I didn't know he's going to get the saves. Well. He's gotten saved so far and he looks like the man. So we'll see how that one ends. But I think it, I think the lesson here is if there is a takeaway, it's like believe in the player's skills. Don't get tied up in the roles. It's time, you know, it's time honored advice. You know, it's been given every year skills over roles, but it's hard to do that under the gun of a draft table, especially in a, a snake draft format. I think in a, in an auction league, you can pull it off a little bit better, but. I think in a snake draft format, it's sometimes difficult to, to stick true to that. For sure. And I know, yeah, and you're right. Skills over roles is a great philosophy, but there's sometimes when you're drafting and you're also thinking like, okay, yeah, but I need guys to put my lineup right now. Yep. And, <laughs> and if you're not sure if you wanted to use certain players, you're like, like, like I, I wouldn't want to take at the time. I didn't want to take Whitlock because I wanted to draft Alex Wood or someone like that where I'm like, right. okay, but he's in a rotation and I, I need him to start for exactly. me right away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's something I'll learn next year. Yeah, probably not. I'll probably get caught probably up. Probably forget it. Write it down. Yeah. yeah. All right. Etch it on the kitchen table, as Lenny Melnick would say. That's right. <laughs> All right. All right. That's going to wrap up today's show. Freddie, what do you got cooking at Yahoo? Anything coming up? A lot, a lot of articles coming out um, uh, tomorrow. Some options, players to trade for and players to trade away. Okay. Uh, Thursday. Uh, pitching staffs to target for streaming hitters. Your Reds will be in that one okay. um, uh, to try to just get a little more offense right now and uh, some waiver wire pickups on Friday. Beautiful. All right. We'll look forward to all that. Thanks everybody for tuning in to uh, the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Tomorrow, James Anderson's got the prospect pod. It's a mailbag edition. I've seen he's already got like 600 questions. So <laughs> keep firing at James on Twitter and he'll try to get to most of them. Uh, I imagine then we'll see if we get pod horse or we get somebody else for Thursday, but uh, I'll, we'll have a guest of the day, every, every a guest of the week on Thursday. So thanks everybody for tuning in to the Rotowire fantasy baseball podcast. Good luck in those leagues. Take care.